Warning, this 20th installment of Spyrocon Review Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, physically unfeeling villains, the beginning of the M. James Bond maternal relationship, the most professional Pierce Brosnan scene, horrible holiday-related puns, the f- and the final film for Desmond Llewellyn. Hmm. Listener discretion is advised. Sparkin Motion Picture Review, James Bond, 007, The World is Not Enough. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spark in Motion Picture Reviews James Bondathon. We're in our 20th installment and we're talking about James Bond. I'm your host Zance and konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And we're back and we're almost up to number 24. However, as we were recording this, we got some interesting and horrific and terrible news. That is, No Time to Die has been pushed back again. So we started this at the beginning of this year. Because you get to make sure we hit before April. We rushed all the movies. Then, because it stopped, we had to be like, okay, we're not going to rush it. We're going to take our time. Because it'll be So November. then we slowed down. Slowed down, but then we were getting close. And we had to hurry it up again. However, otra vez. Got pushed back again. Now it's going to be in April or March. One of those days. But anyway, that means... It feels like a bad carnival ride. Speed up. Stop. Speed up, stop, speed up, stop. Pretty much so, yeah. So we are going to be slowing things down again, but don't worry, we're going to have more James Bond films. Also, we're going to have more movie reviews to make up for this. And this one is a truly astonishing film, but we're going to be doing some other podcasts as well for James Bond, including we're actually be doing some video reviews on our YouTube channel. We have released my reaction to the uh, No Time to Die music video. Note, there isn't any music or the video because, well... I may have gotten in trouble with copyright, so I had to take it out and edit it. But that is what it is. It looks better. But yeah, so check out the video at the same time as I'm watching it and you'll get it. So with that in mind, uh, let's actually get to it. So the other content we're going to have is we're going to do uh, our ratings for the villains, our ratings for the gadgets, and our ratings for the Bond girls themselves. And there's over 115 Bond girls. And the two Bond girls in this movie, even though one is definitely not what you think, um, what do you think about, the, before you even start, how would you rate these two Bond girls compared to all the other Bond girls? More, more scientific than Mo- Holly Goodhead. Yeah, well, that's anyone. A bar. That's, that's like, oh, the stuffed animal's most, more scientific than <laughs> Holly Goodhead. Um, I thought... What's her name? Christmas Jones or Electra King? Elect. I thought Electra King was really believable as a femme fatale or as a baroness. As a baroness, as a I wake up and I wear a sequined gown to eat my breakfast in. Like I, that was totally plausible. I thought she was absolutely beautiful, um, even with the janky ear. With the cool earring. No, to the janky ear was kind of the reveal that she was the was well. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But. Right, but I, her, I thought she was good. She her, was believable as like her twist kind of fit too. It's that very like rich daddy doesn't love me so. So I'm gonna go with the boy that stole his car. Yeah, kind of thing. So that I it was totally believable. I she scores really high for me. She's not the highest Bond girl, though. No, but she scores really high for being a bad girl. Yes. 
um, Christmas Jones is beautiful. It's Denise Richards. She's beautiful. Um, that's it. That's that's it. it. That's it. She's beautiful, and she's designed to be a pun. Yeah. She's a pun Bond girl, and just not a good pun Bond girl. I like. And a, she, they're trying to make her not a bimbo bimbo, but she's a bimbo. She's not good night. Good night was a bimbo. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I put the, the device in their car. Where are you? I'm in the car. Do you have the keys to the car? They're in my bag right here. <laughs> she's yeah. not that stupid. But anyway, so yeah, so we're talking about The World is Not Enough. And you can check any of our other episodes at www.sparkin.com. You can email us at sparkin.gmail.com. Also, join our Discord, which is discord.g gg forward slash uh I'll just check this zubba 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 i'll put i'll make a link for the discord so you can actually know where it is but join our discord where you can comment on the different bond films what your favorite is because we're still taking votes for the best bond film best bond song and we'll definitely talk about this bond song because let's be honest this one was rough around the edges but so let's get to it shall we so we're talking about the world is not enough the 19th James Bond film from the Eon franchise, and the one which is named not after a Bond book, but after the Bond family motto, which is on their coat of arms, which was brought back all the way back in the day in several of the other films. They talk about the family crest, and it's the world is not enough. And I do like that, that that was a real... That is not our family crest. No, our family crest is hit snooze twice for sleep is good. Yes. And this was the the crest was first seen in Her Majesty's Secret Service on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and this one had a lot of well, uh, how do we put this one? This is the one of the first film officially released under the Metro Goldwyn Mayer label instead of United Artists, i.e., MGM. Yep. So this is the MGM one, and it was a lot of filming locations. You had Turkey, UK, Azerbaijan, France, and Spain. It felt more big budget. And here's the big issue for the film. First of all, it was directed by Michael Apted, who his claim to fame, the movie he's most famous for besides this movie, is Coal Miner's Daughter from 1980. And this film came out in 1999. Yep, there you go. Yeah, he's made a couple other movies since then, but for the most part, he is better with serial dramas, and you could tell with this film. Even though it has some great... I like this film, though. There's some great heartwarming moments in this film. It's just... Well, we'll get to it. So this was produced by, of course, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Winston, who is the stepson of Cubby Broccoli, who passed away. This is based on James Bond, and it was made for $135 million and made $361 million, so I'm pretty sure it was a hit, even yep. though this has been critically panned as a, um, how do I put this nicely? It's a rough movie. So, starring in this film, let's get to, to it. We have, first off, we have Goldie, who's a rapper, as Bull, who is the hench for Valentine. Valentine. And he's, I don't think he's ever going to do anything else, because he looks like just naturally like a hench. There's no other job he'll ever have. He's got gold teeth. He looks like a scumbag. Yeah. He looks like a drug dealer, and I think he is... What was his what's his deal? Hold on. Goldie is he like a British visual artist and rapper and actor. 
I'm sure he has a heart of gold. He's probably like the sweetest guy ever, but he's got a face of a bad guy. He plays DJs and mobsters. Yeah. That's his life. Yeah. But he's just kind of... But he knows his role. That's what he looks like. So he just does it. And as goons, he's... He's a good sniveling underfoot weasel guy. Um, yeah. You have Maria Grazia Cusinata as quote-unquote cigar girl, who if you read the original script in the novelization, her name was Giulietta da Vinci, who is a female assassin who kind of sets one of the big MacGuffins in the film off. Something early that happens to James, which affects him throughout the film. And she was... She's not worth being a Bond girl. She has like, would you like a cigarette... Sir, and then the rest of the movie she tries to kill him for five minutes, and she gets killed and blown up. Yeah, she really doesn't do much. Um, you have Ulrich Thompson as Sasha Devinoff, who is the head of security for Electric King. I mean, I love when they make a uh, a man named Sasha. Eh, some Sashas. Uh, let's see. You had uh, Serene Scott Thomas as Doctor Molly Warmflash. She's a shitty doctor who pretty much lets James. Do whatever he wants because he's like i i can't put you back on active duty because you're hurt you're hurt right here oh let me convince you otherwise Done. and right here and right here but if we sleep together then maybe i'll let you go back to work yeah but she also is the one who explains the whole issue with our main villain who actually it's a really cool gimmick i think even though it's there's some parts that don't make sense with um you have samantha bond back again as many penny and i think she's actually gotten worse She's gotten cheesier, but I like it. But this wasn't pump her for information cheesy. This is just, she seemed like a non-entity in this one. She was, it's just like, the lowest Maxwell days are done. And Samantha Bond is not a good, we've said it before, like she was good in the first one in GoldenEye. And she was great in her second debut in Tomorrow Never Dies. This one, it's just... Meh. Literally just meh with her. I really think that she could... I don't disagree. Um, You have Charles Robinson, uh, played by Colin Salmon, who is the deputy chief of staff, who he actually... He's competent. He's M's second assistant. Unfortunately, he ends up becoming the new main assistant because what happens to Michael Kitchen as Bill Tanner. So that sucked what happened to him. That was... Well... He does a good job as M subordinate. You have Judy Dench back again as M. Dame Judy Dench. And this one sets up more of her relationship with James as a mother figure. Yes, she's his boss, but also he wants to protect her. And this is the beginning of that, which follows through in the Daniel Craig franchise, where they emphasize on that. It's no longer a uh not an antagonistic relationship, but it's a I don't like you, you don't like me, we're gonna work together, we'll be fine with this. We're just going to get the job done. It's now, you're my best agent. I want to make sure you're safe, but do your job. Yeah. And when you but this 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 movie is more personal for, for M. For, for M. But also she holds James accountable. Because when he doesn't listen to her, she, like, but again, like you said, it's more personal because of her relationship with Electric King. Yeah. Which it's, it's kind of weird. So, let's... Say the next one, John Cleese is in this as quote unquote R, the re- the assistant and appointed successor to Q, and it's John Cleese. He's 
doing his his he's Basil, John Cleese. He, he's doing his Basil Fawlty, very proper British shtick comedy shtick, where it's you're essentially being self-deprecating. Like he makes himself look like an imbecile, and it's that's his his thing, and it works. It's John Cleese. He's he's great as it. He's not Desmond Llewellyn, but he's like Desmond Llewellyn's um, uh, punching Apprentice. bag. His punching bag. He's like, just shut up, and you're paid to do what I tell you. And speaking of which, let's get to him, Desmond Llewellyn. Sadly, a month before the film came out, he died in a car accident. This is his last film. And it actually has one of the most heartwarming scenes between James and Q. Because there's a moment when James has a look of, like, you're you're not saying that. You're going to be around a lot longer. It's the, Dad, you're going to be fine. You're still young. Yeah. You know, you're okay. Almost like they knew. It's because it's, it's uh, Q pretty much tells him that he's leaving and he says... He's got his own replacement, the young chap. He's like, you're not leaving yet. And he's like, James, I told you, there are two things I tried to teach you. Uh, what was it? It's, I'll post... That's actually my favorite quote. That's going to be the quote at the end of the film. Just because that just works Always so well. leave them wanting more. Yeah. Always have an escape strategy and it's just it was such a sad scene seeing him go but <sighs> sad but it was like heartwarming at the same time like because it showed that james this he's one of the only people that james gives a shit about because everyone else james is super detached with but it's q and m and that's it yep everybody else could go jump in a lake or explode or yeah um you have robbie coltrane back again instead of having stupid john joe don baker you had Robbie Coltrane back again is uh, Valentin Zukovsky, and now he's a club owner and a man who makes caviar. And he's uh, how would you say? He's a businessman. He's a businessman who's who seems not as antagonistic as before, but he's still kind of like he's doing his own thing. He's corrupt, but he's he has, he's still around. And he more importantly, he has a sense of honor, especially when his family's involved. Yes. So it was good to see Robbie Coltrane back, and I would like to see him back, like a version of him, like a former Soviet Union rival who's become his friend, his informant. I like that dynamic, and I think a film with like two, like Spy vs. Spy almost. But anyway, um, now let's get to the one of the two craps of the film. You had Denise Richards as Dr. Christmas Jones, a nuclear physicist. She couldn't spell nuclear physicist if she tried really hard. And she said she liked her because she was brainy but athletic. It had depth of character. Ah! And you remember that she, you think when you watch this movie and you forget about it, you think she's in the movie for a lot longer than she is. She isn't in for an hour and a half. Yeah. It takes a while for her to show up. And she's only in it for like a third of the movie. And they make her like, oh, she's the main... It's like, wait, what? But then it's like all of the men think that she's a lesbian because she doesn't like any of them and... She's yeah. so desirable, and she's a tough-as-nails doctor. I'm like, I'm not buying it. Nice nice try. High five. Yeah, and her thing is, she said that a lot of people make fun of her attire, but she felt, personally, that if she looked like a scientist, the Bond fans would have been disappointed. No, it should have been, she should have been like the Victoria... They should have just put her she, in a swimsuit. No, she should have been the Victoria Principal situation. Have her dress very prim and proper and doing her job, but then once she takes off the glasses... Ba-dum-bump. No, she, that's, 
She tried that. No, she didn't. She was when you first see her, she's wearing short shorts and a tank top like Tomb Raider. She's in the ugly overall thing, and then she takes it off. No, but she should have been dressed super prim, sciency. But on a sight dig thing, maybe I don't know. But they said originally they wanted to have Jerry Holloway and Tiffany Thiessen in the role. So Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Who's Tiffany Thiessen? Tiffany uh, Amber Thiessen. Uh, again, I don't know who that is. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who was... Oh, Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I could have seen that, actually. That would have actually been... But yeah, so anyway. You're like, aha, that was their first choice. Got it. Anyway, so next, our villain, quote-unquote, of the piece. You have Robert Carlyle. Skinny guy. As Victor Renard Zukas. And I like Renard. I think he's a really compelling character, especially with the fact that he's someone who's physically damaged. And while it's kind of unbelievable the fact that he can't feel anything, because if you can't feel anything, you're not able to tell the pressure that you're holding something. So you could smash something and not realize it. And But if you've lived your whole life being able to feel something, then muscle memory of being able to pick up a pen or whatnot. Yeah, but that's a, it's a stupid nitpick. But It's a nitpick. Out of all of the unbelievable things that have happened in this movie, that's a stupid nitpick. It is a stupid nitpick, but I like the fact of his whole reason he wants revenge against the Renard family for not... Or not Renard, the King family for not paying him his ransom, supposedly. And the other reason is he wants MI6 dead because they put a bullet in his head that's killing him. But his real reason is kind of... Kind of... Cool. But I do like the fact that since he can't feel, they could shoot him, stab him, do things that are horrific to him, and he'll keep moving. Yeah. And not feel it. And that leads to a very threatening villain who has nothing to lose. Because he's already dead. And then we have Sophia Marco as Electric King, who is an oil heiress who's trying to make a pipeline through the middle of a certain area. And she is one half damsel in distress and one half femme fatale criminal mastermind. And as the overarching villain of the story, sorry spoilers, uh, I think she does a good job. As the quote-unquote mastermind. Not the villain, she's the mastermind of it. Yeah, I... I Because like we said... Her, I like her. I feel like she's belie- she is believable in the role and beautiful. And her turn is great. And I do like that she thinks that she can control anybody. And that leads to one of the best villain which, deaths in which, the series, which we'll get to. And that just adds to her um, status as her character and everything like that. Like all of that builds... I felt like, yes, I bought it. It it builds to her being like, I'm untouchable. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah, I'm totally bought into that. Hook, line, and sinker. And unlike other villains, it's not a, oh, it's, it's I'm untouchable because I'm so strong. It's I'm untouchable because everyone's under my control. And I'm beautiful and everybody wants me. And that's, well, not the case. And then finally we have James Bond as 007. And... Or, sorry, not James Bond 007. We have Pierce Brosnan as James Bond 007. And I've got to say, this is, one, the beginning of the quip game. Or more of the pun game. It's it's increased now. It's He's gone from, starting to be more quippy. Yeah, It's a little more comical. But more importantly, this James... He's having more fun with it. Parts of it are he's having more fun. Uh, he gets to have fun speaking other languages. And I like that he speaks other languages. Because this is the only Bond that does do, I'm going to switch languages up. And I like that. That he shows he's learned languages over time. However, the one thing... Or not one thing. 
the aspect of it that I enjoy about him is this movie, we see that James, no matter what, yes, he's playing the playboy. In the end, he's damaged. And he's someone who, in the long run, he will do the job. Yep. He will do the job, no questions asked. And he will give you an opportunity to not do something. And if you don't take that opportunity, there's no... That on you. There's no second chance. It's no, no, I'll wait. I'll try. I'll try to save you. It's like, no, it's... That's nope. It. Gave you a shot. You failed. Moving yes. on. So, to explain this, the overarching story of this, of Orbit's non-suffocist, or the world is not enough, it opens up where James is actually in Spain, in Balbo, Bal, uh, Balboa. No, Bal, Balbao? Balbao, Spain. And he's trying to retrieve yeah, some... Rocky Balboa. Heart. Balbao, Spain. So he's retrieving money for uh, Sir Robert King, a oil tycoon who's helping out MI6, who's a friend of M. And when he gets there, he actually... Uh, they try to double-cross him. He ends up killing everybody and escaping in a really cool fashion. And I love the fact that he just... He escapes, gets out, drops lands, and then just straightens up. And he's like perfectly fine. Like, hey, I'm just walking down the street. No one saw anything. You though four people saw him essentially just escape out of a window and rappel down using a bed sheet. But if you make like it's normal, then what are you going to do? Like, oh, that's it. And he first, the reason for him escaping is because he asked the banker who killed the MI6 agent who was dealing with this. Give us a name, and then the scar girl killed him, and that was how that ended. However, the hot secretary. Yep, he ends up going back to MI six, giving the money to M. They tested everything is fine. However, when he's drinking, uh, having a drink from M, because she's like, "Good job, you." The king has been friends of the family for a long time. Blah blah blah. He notices his fingers burning, bubbling, frothing with like a chemical residue. And the money's been coated in this chemical. And when uh, Robert King shows up to it, the thing blows up. So there's the first of the many explosions at MI6 headquarters from this point on, I think. Right? Yeah, the poor headquarters. Because from here on, the MI6 headquarters is just going to get destroyed more and more and more. Until Spectre. But, so, like we said, he's uh, they go after the, uh, the assassin, who is the girl. He found the girl with the cigarette lighter. And he ends up stealing this new prototype boat that Q's like, it's not ready yet, don't take it. And it's a really cool chase sequence. It's very similar to... Uh, it was supposed to be Q's retirement fishing boat. It was. But the chase, I liked it. It had feelings of Moonraker when he's he's in the uh, gondola that turns into a car. Yeah. Uh, into, into an inflatable raft. It just felt very much like that where he's driving this boat through buildings while piloting it. And then... The chase sequence onto a balloon was kind of cool. I liked it. But he does try to tell her again, it's, I'll protect you. Just tell, give me a name. And she kills herself rather than give up uh, Renard or King. And this leads to the issue and actually leads to the title crawl. Because he falls off the balloon and breaks his collarbone. And that yeah, leads, he like damages his shoulder. And that leads to the uh, title sequence. And then we find out that... Uh, M was friends of the family and she's taken interest in the daughter, Electra King, who is now essentially like, not a widow, but she's the orphan orphan of her father. And she's now in charge of this mega corporation, which is building a pipeline that will rival the Russian pipeline and will supposedly bring lots to London. And he wants to get revenge and find out what's going on. 
And even though he's not on the active agents list, he eventually convinces Dr. Warm Flash to let him... Yes, pun game. To let Warm him, Flash. To let him uh, be part of the mission and gets one of the... I don't know if it's a dumb tech, but that uh, that jacket is kind of stupid. It's funny for the gag, but that's a stupid uh, gadget. Oh, the jacket? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it helps during an avalanche, but when's there... Well, never mind. Every time he skis, there's an avalanche. Never mind. There wasn't any skiing in this one. <laughs> yeah, they skied. They went to go check... Electric King and Bond went to go check the pipeline. Oh, yes. And there was the skiing They moment. jump out of the helicopter. That's right. There's the skiing moment of... Which shows that Bond and skiing does not work out ever. Well, it hasn't worked out yet. If he's not being chased and shot at, then he's not really skiing. That is true. So he saves her and they have a kind of romantic moment of them injured. And then... The thing I do like is that when we go back, cut to Renard and his situation, he is no-nonsense supervillain. It's not the, oh, you get one more chance. It's very Blofeld-esque. Oh, you betrayed me? And he shoots someone else and says, you have one chance. He died because of your failure. Don't do it again. Right. And it's him uh, just setting up uh, a big heist. Not to get into the heist, but it's um, they're going to use nuclear plutonium to irradiate half of the world's oil for... It feels very Goldfinger-esque. Just just talking about that. It's like, we're going to radiate the pipeline so no one can use the gold except our... The oil except our oil. Ha ha! Like, really? That's your... Okay, whatever. So he ends up stealing a, a nuclear warhead from a disposal site that uh, Christmas Jones is working on. Bond ends up going there after finding out what is going on about where all this is going. And actually, that sequence is when he has Renard dead to rights. He has him dead to rights. And then Renard says something that Electric King says. And that spooks him enough. So he knows that he's being played by Electra. Electra constantly is like, no, no, no. I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. But yeah, she's the bad guy. They played their hand. No, I'm the sad orphan girl. They played their hand way too early. Yeah. They played the hand for that way too early. Um... Uh, we did bring up that Robbie Coltrane's in this. He's earlier, which leads to more uh, evidence against Electric King because the whole scene at the bar is kind of like very different than how it went last time. Because last time he went there, he put a gun against uh, Valentine's head and he was kind of threatened, but not really. He's like, oh, I know that gun. And then someone else points his head at this one. Uh, Valentine sees him and is like, oh, hello, have a good time. And then he just, oh, straight to business. Right. So, like, it didn't seem... It seemed well, more... I like the... I liked the casino moment. Oh, when everyone is is packing heat. Everyone. And I do like that that gadget is from new sunglasses, the X-ray mm-hmm. sunglasses show all the weapons and highlight them. And the lingerie. And the lingerie, but it's all the other crazy. But it's also the glamour and and glitz that I like and James Bond like there's beautiful dresses and beautiful women walking around and that's it's it is glamorous and it's fun and it's you have men in dashing suits and but this time it wasn't that's what i want in a james bond movie it wasn't him when he was in the casino he wasn't like i'm gonna play it was take me to zukov we're dealing this now it was not it was he well was, electric king goes in and she's like i want to play she was but here's a million dollars let's play one thing 
Oh, I lost. But we found that that was a whole scam for later on. We found mm-hmm. that that was a payment. They just did it like that. However, the whole sequence of him entering, first he's looking around, he smiles a little bit, but he's not there to play the part of charming. He's business all the way. He's like, I want to speak to Valentine. It's like, I don't know who you're talking about. And he has to threaten the guy to be like, I want to speak to him now. And this is, he's in business mode. He's really in business because at first it's like, I want to protect the Electric King. Then he finds out, oh no, Electric King is potentially the bad guy. But when James is in a casino playing and having fun, it's when he's, quote unquote, recovering or on vacation or whatever. Or he's on duty. Every other time he's in a casino, when he's on duty, he's always on point and focused and sharp. Yeah. I will say that. I will say that. I can agree with there. Uh, so where are we? Oh, yeah. So he steals the bomb from the the disposal site and Christmas Jones ruins the moment because he hasn't dead rights because also Christmas Jones is like, oh, he's not the real the real guy because he's an old not an old man. His Russian is weird. And it's like, Christmas Jones, why? Why? Because she's already uh, just... And a- now that I know that she wanted to wear that outfit because whatever, 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 it's even more of a face palm because she's not she's not even wearing it right like everyone else is wearing the the stuff right she has it like half off tied around her waist with her tank top it's like you look like just a a dumb yeah anyway (sighs) so yeah uh but like she should have she kind of was a nuisance to begin with then she just follows him because he's james bond there's no rhyme or reason why she should have joined him she kind of screwed up his op and it wasn't like with Natalia where they're tied together. It's not like with... Wait, no. The other two, it was. They were tied together. This one, there was not that. It was just she wanted to follow him because she followed him. And she inserted herself into him. Even though I do like that when he says, I'm a secret agent. And he just kind of just... He does his own thing. Like, I don't... You're not part of this op. Go away. And she just is kind of clinging there. Uh, and I do... And the other aspect of this scene, which is a great fight sequence, I can't even really, you just got to watch it, I got to say, is Renard has his his friends there, but at the end, they are kind of fanatical for him. Like, his friend gets killed, and he's like, uh, I could save you, and he's like, no, 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 do the mission. His, his friend is like, do the mission, do this. They're fanatical, like, they're like, willing to die for him. But that's when... You need that to be a successful villain because it has to be about something bigger. It is, but it, but it's like you wouldn't expect that from him. You wouldn't expect that fanaticism. He's not true. It's not out of fear. It's not the Blofeld. We have to do this, or we're gonna die. That's not it at all. I mean, yes, part of it is that, but also it's kind of a. I would have liked them to focus on that a little more, like how like cultish his followers are. Anyway. Uh, from there they go back. But I like that they pack a lot of stuff. They do. Into it. Like there's so much that's in the James Bond like world that goes into it that it's just, I don't know, I like it. I'm a fan. And I'm just, I know I'm saying and a lot and I apologize. It's just, it's, this one's very difficult to be concise with, especially with all that happens in it. That's just kind of, because this has a lot of set pieces. It's a lot of little set pieces here, there, and everywhere. It's a casino scene, an action scene. The action scenes are almost every five minutes. It's an action scene, which is sometimes not great, but sometimes not bad. Because we have, they show up, M is waiting for her with Electra King, because Electra says that, oh, he left in the middle of the night and left and didn't protect me. And she's saying, oh, well, she 
uh, Electra King, you left your post. I should send you off this mission. He's like, no, Electra's the bad guy. No, how could you say that? That's essentially my quote-unquote goddaughter. Blah, 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 blah. You know, she's not her goddaughter, but M is a little, like we said, she's too close to the subject and she's not seeing. Which is what she usually preaches to Bond. You're too close. This is when she's too close and she pays for it because Electra King betrays her in a way which that is, was a great sequence of, I have a gift for you and it's the detonator that killed her father yep like yep bond's right and I'm that's the, bad the moment guy. that's the moment when everything drops together and they like i said they should have waited on that just not shown any evidence until that and then it should have but she's being a petulant rich child she is and she ends up killing uh turner which sucks because he was a great second in command and she gets kidnapped and is being held in a tower which a tower really a lighthouse okay we're doing. She wanted a tower. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and then it goes to from there to them try, Bond and Christmas Jones trying to disarm a bomb on a <laughs> on a uh, rail system, which that was completely just okay. You needed that, but it's like oh, they let it. Detonate. He wanted forced close encounter with the hot girl. Yes, he did, and that led to Electra thinking that he's dead, and then they have to go to to meet Valentine again, and they go to Valentine's office where he's picking that's caviar. That's why they. That's why they um tell M they tip their hand because they're like haha we killed your James Bond's gone oh and by the way yeah that's that's me I'm the bad girl that is true there was I think there was too many set pieces if that makes sense in this movie it felt a little clustered that's why I was like too much here 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 and then all of a sudden then they're on a submarine yeah, it was. There was no cohesive like the submarine fit kind of like you need a nuclear device to set off a nuclear device. So you're gonna use a nuclear sub, which he ends up stealing from Valentine's nephew because Valentine hooked him up with it, and that leads to the fight sequence in the tower when James confronts Electra. Electra catches him, puts him in a weird S and M neck breaking device. And that's which leads to my one of my favorite scenes in the franchise, which is Electric King saying, "He's like, you can't hurt me, no matter what." He's like, and he says, "I'll kill you." He's like, "You could never kill me. You loved me." And he's like, "Uh, no." No. And then M saves the day, or sorry, not M. Uh, Valentine gets killed, trying to save Bond, or actually get revenge on <laughs> for his nephew, and then saves Bond. Bond gets a gun, points it at Electra's head, saying, "Tell him." To stop the mission. And she's like, You won't do that to me. And you he's like, do that to me. He's like, Tell him to stop. And she doesn't. He just shoots her point blank. No, no pain on his face. Like, yes, he like closes her eyes. but And hug, like, cradles, cradles her head. But it's not a. And M sees it. And then she really gets what he's all about, what the Jane, what the double O um, job really is. Yeah, it's just another... Like this, for me, this movie is more about M learning the lessons that she preaches. Yes, that is entirely. And also, it's more about just adding another uh, body to like what Trevelyan said. He's like, you drink and you give him the pleasures because there's so many dead bodies behind you. Women you've loved that have died. And just look at the last two movies. I mean, you had... There isn't. There aren't many women that come into contact with Bond that are still alive. Many, Penny. I said there aren't many. I didn't say there aren't any. I said there aren't many. Yes, that is very true. 
with the exception of well, no, with this franchise maybe Natalia, but Natalia I don't think was a long term thing. It wasn't Tracy, right? I think it was Tracy and then maybe Paris, but Paris got too close. He was like, nope. Like, this was not one of those. This wasn't, I'm going to leave you alone to protect you. This was a, I'm going to protect you and maybe we could flirt, but it's not a serious thing. And he proved it. And then we have the action sequence on the, the final scene, which is on a submarine, which is underwater, that is turned upside, not so down, turned horizontal. So the nose is facing the floor. So it's went from portrait or landscape to portrait style. And that sequence... It went from hot dog to hamburger. That's a final sequence with James and Renard. It's kind of cool, kind of bad, kind of just what the hell. Christmas trees in there. Yeah, the Christmas Jones in there with wet... Cause... Yep, because wet t-shirt. Uh, fight sequence of Renard in a reactor. And again... He's going to win, and then Christmas Jones is stupid, so he has to save Christmas Jones, which leads to more stupidity. However, the final quip when he kills Renard is... It's not a quip, it's just a straight up, he's like, she's waiting for you. And then he kills him. It's kind of... Because he's doing this all for her, and when he finds out that she died, he flips then out. Then he's like, done. But he was done anyway. He was going to die for her anyway, because he's dying. He was already dead. It's there's a scene with Renard and Electric King when the, after they've revealed that everything's happened. That's all to Electric King's design. And it's him trying to rationalize, like, you were with him. Was he more passionate than I was? Was he... And it's... As you see, she's playing him. Yeah. But he truly loves her and he's devoted himself to her and he's going to kill himself for her. And he's a tragic character. Yeah. Like, you end up feeling bad for the guy. For the villain. He's a villain who... And it's sad because he opened up the film. Like, when you hear his history, he kidnapped her and then she flipped it on him. She flipped the Stockholm Syndrome completely so he was dedicated to her. Yeah. Like, you see her mutilated ear from when she was a child and was held hostage. And you think, oh, Renard was a monster for doing that. And it's like, no, she did it to herself. Yeah. But she also wasn't much of a child. She was a teen. Well, they just show a picture of her just, like, with longer hair. That's all it was. It did get a different actress. It was, oh, here's Electric King. After with, she was, like, with bangs. That's it. Because it was a very, it was just completely Stockholm Syndrome. But it was a reverse Stockholm Syndrome. Because she just played it off to, like, dad's not going to pay for me? Fine, I'll. Because all this was was it was revenge because M convinced her dad not to pay a ransom. Because you it. don't. Negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. And the movie ends on a really shitty pun. A really shitty pun. Because Christmas came twice. Har, har, har. So, well, let's, before we get into just our rants about the... Say, I should say, before we continue our rants. Yeah. Originally, Peter Jackson was offered this. Huh. He turned it down because he's doing Lord of the Rings. And I get that. A hundred percent. It's like, but I would have liked to have seen him do a James Bond film. That would have been really cool. Yes, it would. But instead they get Michael Apt, who worked on Girls with the Mist, The Movie Now, and Coal Miner's Daughter. Which is totally not a James Bond film idea. You look at them all, they are female empowerment films. Well, this is more... And this about one, M. 
this one is about M, and it's about Electra, and James is just a rolling ball. Or is it more about M because of the way that he directed it? I think that might be the the that might be it entirely. I I don't know. I just think Michael Apted did a horrible job directing this film. I think that there it's choppy. It's there there are too many action sequences. It doesn't feel cohesive. Like every other narrative we've talked about in this series, for the most part, has been this happened, then this happened, then this happened. This was this kind of happened, and then we're here, and then this, and then we're that, and then we're it's disjointed. It is disjointed. Uh, soundtrack this is the second one, which was done by David Arnold, and it's more in line with the classic James Bond sound. It sounds very similar to the John Barry theme. And yeah, I like the music. Actually, the and the theme song by Garbage. Meh. It was considered. It was made by, um, co-written by Don Black, and he's the guy who wrote Thunderball, Diamonds Are Forever, Man with the Golden Gun, Tomorrow Never Dies. But this one, I don't know. Like, what do you think about the the title sequence? It was traditional Bondish. Because the last one was all about Silicon Valley and and this, but this one was all oil. It felt very Texan. It didn't, oil baron like all of the i just it didn't stand out to me it really didn't not the worst not the best no this is a very just mediocre like it's it's okay it's a james bond song but it's not a good james bond song and out of the 20 last bond or 19 last bond song or the 19 last bond songs this is like it's less than halfway there it's like in the lower teens it's not the worst but it's eh. it's not the worst it's not the best it's meh that's a good way to put it it is very meh now i'm trying to think of some of the other elements to talk about um the original title was going to be dangerously yours or death waits for no man that would have been kind of cool um like we said the box office was great for me it's not it's not always about the title for me, it's like, it's Bond movie. Surprisingly, Roger Ebert loved this film, which is weird. I don't get it, but it's, like this is, it's very confusing. And I will say this, Christmas Jones is probably one of the worst fake nuclear physicists since the girl, uh, Elizabeth Shue in The Saint. But yeah. Elizabeth Shue in The Saint, on the other hand, she just seemed like an eccentric like she, there was something wrong with her, and that was her whole thing. She was eccentric and weird. This was more like, eh. it's unbelievable. And this is very conflicted. It's not campy like Roger Moore, but it's not ser- it's not as serious as Daniel Craig. It's somewhere in the middle, and this should have worked. But I like, I still like it as a movie. No, like all the Bond films we love. It's just this one is pretty bad. I'm going to put this one honestly in our list. This is probably near the bottom. This is at the bottom at this point. Because the only movie worse than this, in my opinion, is For Your Eyes Only. And there's some worse films coming up. Don't get me wrong. but Because there's two that are coming up which are like cringy. But yeah, this one is rough. This one's really bad. 
there are elements that are really great about it, in my opinion. So yeah, so out of our rating system, this is still a worth watching once. I think it's worth watching once. It's just, it's not a great, it's a, it's not a great movie. It's an okay Bond film. There are elements that are really great in it, but it's, you just watch it for the opening sequence and a couple of, the opening, the whole scene in Paris, the chase sequence, which is weird because there's two opening sequences before the title crawl, which no other Bond film has ever done. Usually it's, you have your first action sequence and then title crawl. Very good point. True. So maybe this film would have been better with a different director. So yeah, so that's my rating. What about you? Would you say it's uh, worth watching once? Would you say own it? Uh, borrow from a friend? I say worth watching once. I say... Okay, so for me, it's worth watching once or have it on in the background while you're painting your nails. Yeah. Uh, as villains go, uh, Electric King is pretty low. She's above, I'd say, General Koslov. Koslov? I like so I like her as a villain. She is a little bit lower because only because I think that there's really, really strong villains like, on the list already. But like we put her, I like her as a villain. I think she's like devastatingly beautiful, absolutely crazy. She's got the money to do what she wants to do. It's like I I like her as a villain. We actually rated when we were talking about this. We rated her below Hugo Drax, and I could see that still. I still yeah. think she's because Hugo Drax was just like I want to be eugenics crazy, and he was he was hoisted upon his own petard. You he just ch- like saying hoisted and petard. The fact that he got shot out into space and was take one giant leaf of mankind, Mister Drax. Ah. He had he had a cool death se- a funny death sequence, but. I think Electric King had one of the best death sequences for a villain. Totally. As henches go, Renard is up there. He's above Tihi, definitely, and below Xenia. So he's in our top... What is it? We have him in our top five. Yeah. Which is funny, because if you just look at just him, he's... Him as the villain is great, but he's a hench. That's the crazy part. The twist is... He's like skinny and little. He's he's not he's all muscle, but it's not muscle because he is strong. Like it's he does he doesn't realize he's his body's hurting. He's ripping ligaments because that's why people don't lift heavy things because your body starts getting pain when you're lifting something. He doesn't feel that, so he could break his arms. He won't realize he's broken his arms. No, I know I get that. It's just if you ha- if you put a bunch of actors in a lineup, he's not who I would pick to be like the henchman. I think he would... I've seen him in so many other films where he's really good, and I think he was a really... Just like... um, I mean... Tom Cruise is a tiny guy. Yeah, but everyone has seen this guy's ass in a different movie. Because he was in The Full Monty. You know, I've never seen that. Really? You've never seen that? Well, that's the one we may have to put on our our wheel. Our wheel. Uh, Our, not wheel, our Dodecature to Movies. But I know I'm saying it so many times. So overall, decent film. There's a video game that was for the N64, which sucked. Um, I will say that this film is one of the weaker Pierce Brosnan films because most of what makes Pierce Brosnan's Bond great 
is pushed into the background, but that sequence with him and Elektra is one of his best moments. Just the way he he brutally... When she dies? Yeah, because it's just yeah. very brutal, just detached, just, yeah, you're not the person for me. This isn't how this goes. It's a year... And you're the bad guy. Yeah. It's, like, for defining moments for James Bond, which we should do as a list, I think that this is ranked in the top five. This one plus the... You could fire me if you want. I, I'm pretty sure I scared the living daylights out of her. Like the, it's this the job. This is the matter of fact moments, the defining character moments for James. This is yep. who he is. And this is also, um, to quote our friend Doug, this is a moment that begin that showcases his damaged nature really well. Uh, Daniel Craig's James Bond, which we're going to get to soon, is a very damaged and unhealthy individual who does unhealthy things. But this James, it's he is so jaded with life at this point. Like he tries to, I'm going to pretend I'm the good guy. Life is good, but he's all that. The only thing that matters to him is the job, in the grand scheme of things. True. Like all the other things are just distractions to avoid the real him. But all the puns and all the stupid elements and Christmas Jones essentially being a really bad distraction kind of takes away from this film. And that's what I think. I agree. Yeah. So no worries. Uh, so next episode, actually, Greta gets to take a break. She doesn't get to talk about the sad, bad movie. Yay! In the next episode, uh, I'm going to have a special guest to talk about that lovely and amazing film, which half of the movie is brilliant and amazing, and the other half is a dumpster fire. And what is that James Bond film that we're talking about? Die Another Day with Madonna in a cameo because that was her deal to use her music. Although, I can't blame the girl. If if I had the ability to be um, in a Bond movie and I had a bargaining tool leverage, I'd be like, yeah, of course, you can use it. I'm in the movie. Yeah, very true. So, I guess that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I'm excited to talk about some of the other uh, elements. Now, do you guys want us to do... Which of the films do you want us to do first, as in our kind of extra retrospective stuff? Do you want us to do a review on the gadgets, on the villains, on the Bond girls, or on Bond death scenes? Who had the best death scene? And should we include... uh, Not Vesper. Should we include uh, Tracy on that list? Because huh. that was a cold. That was cold. That was. We have all the time in the world. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonzo. Catch you guys next time. Keep watching Bob. <laughs>
Countdown begins to the 21st century. It's good to know there is still one number you can always count on. Bond. Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Renard is behind this. He will die along with everyone in the city. We do not negotiate with terrorists. His only goal is chaos. I sent 009 to kill Renard. He put a bullet in his head. That bullet's still there. He feels no pain. He can push himself harder, longer than any normal man. No hard feelings, Mr. Bond. It appears that you have been beaten. Stop! Don't make this personal. 
I can't do that. I just can't help thinking I'm next. New model. The very latest in intercepts and countermeasures. And six beverage cup holders. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. For the world's greatest secret agent. You've defused hundreds of these, right? When the stakes are high. Yeah, but they're usually standing still. Life's full of small challenges. And the danger hits too close to home. He has M. By noon tomorrow, you'll feel nothing at all. I thought it was your job to protect me. It's not just professional. Someone's tampered with the bomb. It's personal. I have to get it back or somebody's gonna have my butt. First things first. I'm gonna find him. Who's afraid now, Mr. Bond? I will not miss. I never miss. Do you want to put that in English to those of us who don't speak spy? Why am I suddenly worried I'm not carrying enough insurance? Your time is up. The world is not enough. Nod. You wouldn't kill me. You'd miss me. Yes. Die, Bond! 